Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It's October 3rd, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes. And uh, in a rare event, we're actually doing this face-to-face live from Washington, D.C. from the Weekly Standard Studio. Joining me in studio, Jonathan V. Last and Andy Ferguson. Thanks for joining me, gentlemen. Happy to be here. Well, you know, I was thinking about uh, gratitude the other day. Um, I don't know whether I told you this story. No, you probably didn't. I uh, didn't tell you this story. We had a, a scare with our dogs. We have three dogs, and uh, two of them sort of just went went down yesterday afternoon. It was really kind of frightening. Um, you know, began to sort of pant and were stumbling and tripping. And my wife and I are thinking, oh my God, are our dogs dying? And as it turned out, they just got themselves into some uh, some treats that had tranquilizers in them, and they, they found the bag, <laughs> and they ate the entire bag of tranquilizers. No, seriously. Some of those treats? I'd yeah, like no. That. And so, so really, we thought they were dying when, in fact, they were just really relaxed. And so... I'm really grateful that they are that they're okay, but and that was the second time I was really grateful. The first time I was really grateful was that Andy Ferguson, when you when you wrote your review of all the Trump era books, you did not include mine because wow, oh. this this is a rogues gallery of books. Well, so first off, this was not my idea. <laughs> my editor took out his Glock held it against my forehead and said, don't you think it would be a good idea to read all these Trump books? Well, that's what I was going to ask so you I because, yes. I mean, you know, nobody voluntarily reads this many shitty books, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just... No, no. It, 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 you know, I'll tell you, we joke, we kid, but really it did start to have a sort of a spiritual um, effect on me. It was kind of, by the end of the three weeks or however long it took me to read them all and then write about them, I really felt diminished as a human being by by the mere fact of immersing myself in this stuff in a lot of ways it's even worse than immersing yourself in watching cable news yes you know because i mean that would have we all feel diminished from that right jv i i I don't do it you really don't don't watch the junk at all really totally but 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 twitter you, you do twitter I do Twitter, but so so I have so to. Twitter is, is like the more concentrated version. It's it's like no, I don't I don't drink, but I, I only I, do I, shots. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I just, only do shots. Yeah, I do shots, or I, or I hook myself up to the IV, you know, so that I'm gonna have it like, only eight ball heroin goes yeah. right into the what is the the hippocampus, right? It's like you know that's that that's what you that's what you remember. Indelible. Are the, so are these sorts of books worse than campaign books, uh, or better than campaign books? I, I think they're better There's actually different because genres, right? yeah they're different genres they're all they they have some things in common like most of them are ghost written uh, they're very uh, polemical but um, there there's at least some some spice to these kinds of uh, polemics whereas campaign biographies or campaign manifestos are uniformly high minded and uh, worthy and boring well. Okay, just just to be, we need to warn people what's what's ahead. The reviews of Amorosa, Judge Jeanine Pirro, um, Dinesh D'Souza, and a couple of ones that I hadn't heard of before. These are the the, the Russell files. Uh, Greg Jarrett's, mm-hmm. and who's who's the other one? Um, Craig Craig Unger. Yeah, the, Craig the Craig Unger, scandal monger. Yeah, and and um, uh, consultant Rick Wilson, 
who joined me on the podcast the other day, and I was hanging out with down in Austin, so we'll, we'll get to him. All right, so let's – should we just, like, walk Wait through this? Wait a minute, this? so he's a friend of yours, so I have to say nice things. Well, you, you've already written the piece, so we're we're wait, we're, wait, <laughs> that was we're, a, we're wait That was a different that. Andrew Ferguson. Yeah, this is that, Andy that, Ferguson. Is, that, yeah, that was, that my, was Andrew Ferguson. That, that was my mean twin. Um, okay, so the villain. Let's do it one at a time. The villain, Omarosa. You had to read Omarosa's book. Yes, I did. But it really was the best of the lot. I, it was number one at the time I wrote the piece, so I started with it. And um, it's, it's, it is so much fun to read because it is, it is just pure malice from beginning <laughs> to end. It's just character assassination and vindictiveness and just the most scurrilous innuendo about people. So they should make this into a miniseries. This sounds like it's something like for HBO, right? No, <laughs> I, I would favor that if it wasn't something that she would desire so much. Um, but, uh, she, I mean, some of the stuff she's got, she has insinuations about uh, the president and his daughter, for example. And, and it gets worse from there. But she, of course, is a longtime Trump person. She had got her start on... Um, on The Apprentice, and was actually sort of a breakout star to the extent that reality TV has as, as a villain. Stars. Yeah, and yeah. she was a villain, and she uh, she played one on TV, but she clearly is a villainous person without a um, socially redeeming bone in her body. Okay, so I'm going to have to ask this for each one of the, the the authors, but did you get the sense that she wrote this herself? No. Okay. No, no, she's quite. She, over she, the years, she, 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 provi- really... she provided the malice, but perhaps not the prose. <laughs> right. right? Okay. And, and but I, her her ghostwriter is this very gifted woman named um, Valerie uh, Frankel, who's a veteran ghostwriter, and you know how they say you know great prose is like a window pane, and her. Her contribution to this book was just to have the window pane so we can see right into the roiling cauldron of hatred that is the soul of Amarosa. Would you ever be a ghostwriter, Davey? Uh, I think I dabbled in ghosting once as, like, you know, I was young and I needed the money. No, and, well, that's a good reason uh, and, to do it. And I was so uncomfortable with it that I I just couldn't do it again. Um <laughs> Do you want a piece of ghostwriting no, trivia? I would love a piece of ghostwriting uh, trivia. Uh, yeah. Nothing wrong with it. Some of my best friends are ghosts. I, I remind Andy of this once in a while because I'm sure he's totally forgotten about it. But he once talked me out of being a ghostwriter, the one and only time that I was almost a ghostwriter. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. That I was uh, signed up to be, and I think you had been previously signed up to be, ghostwriter for Newt Gingrich. Yeah. In 1995, wow. right after he was elected speaker. And I got a call and saying, Andy Ferguson was supposed to write this book, but he's bailed out. Would you be willing to do it? And I was young and interested in the money and stupid. And so I, I actually agreed to do it. But I made the, the excellent – the one good decision I made was to call Andy and said, okay, what should I know about this? And you basically said, just run. Just, just run. get, get out. Go. Right? Go. Yeah. Which I did. So that was my. Although this book sounds like it might have been fun to be ghost to have been the ghostwriter. You'd have to spend so much time with her. I, I mean, that, that was my main reason for advising you against doing the Newt Gingrich book is that you would have to spend so much time with Newt. As it happened, actually, I know the guy who did got the ghosting job, and um, he told me that Newt ended up writing that book all by himself anyway. In the yeah, I was going to say house. I can't imagine Newt would 
actually take his hands off the wheel for something like that, right? He has so many ideas. That right, he, yeah, right. Would, it would just be a matter of whether he had the time, but right. he just he would just stay up all night. And, yeah. Well, you know, I, I I can't remember any of the keg parties I was at in high school. I can't I can't not remember those. But I do remember what Andy said was that you have to understand that that he will not be interested in anything you think. So there will be no creative input that you will provide in this book, which was absolutely true. So okay, so number one, Omarosa, the best of the bunch. So it's all downhill now. Yeah. Number two, the judge. Judge Jean Pirro. I have to tell you, Andy. Janine. 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 Please. I'm sorry. Get your I, 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 I hope you get some like battle pay or something for having to read oh, that because man, because it was awful. I can't even get through one of her rants on television. Oh, I well, you know, look, this is easier than that because uh, you don't have to look at her, and you know, books are not a visual medium. Head. Yeah, you do. I mean, that that does creep up, but it's. Not being a visual medium, it's you do have to look at the picture. I'm sorry, on the Andy. Cover. Can't you respect the the office at least? She's a office judge. Judge, yes, yes. That's she right. is. A, she One of the stands great legal minds right of our there with era. the law <laughs> and justice in her hands. No, can you and please? To people who don't know, do you know how? Can you tell people how long she spent on the bench? She was on the bench for uh, two years. She was an elected judge. Which which circuit court of um, appeals? In in her home county of. Uh, Westchester. Oh, not a not a court of appeals. She was down with the people. Can you give me a greater Getting sign, her- lesser <laughs> sign for Janine and Wapner? <laughs> oh, Wapner was by far the most um, the better jurist. Gray-haired. Yeah. Okay. You write, uh, Judge Pirro believes, as so many Trump supporters do, that there is a thing called the media. Treating the media as a unitary object can be a convenient shorthand, but can also make you sound dumb. Yeah. Well, you know, she 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 runs a news talk show on a news network surrounded by dozens and dozens of journalists who think exactly the way she does. And somehow she's not part of the media um, unless you've got a qualifier in front of it. Talking about the media is really kind of pointless and dumb. I mean, you can say the liberal media or the elite media or the conservative media or something, but the lamestream, the lamestream media, which is an excellent word. Um, so you have to, um, make distinctions and, you know, I mean, there's a distinction between, you know, um, somebody, John Dickerson at CBS and, um, Jim Acosta at CNN. Dickerson is actually, or or us, or us. Yeah. We're media. Yeah, of course. Um, but even among the liberal media, there are all kinds of distinctions to be made. And it's, it would be way too complicating if she did them for herself. So, see, the, the main insight I had about these books is that they're actually television books. That is, that they're sort of manifestations of a television talk show sensibility. And uh, obviously their, their uh, audience is people who have seen them on TV, and that's why they want to hold the book in their hands. I just want to read you a passage jumped out at me. So there there we are, just reading along, minding our own business, when suddenly, out of nowhere, she falls into using the second-person pronoun. Readers will wonder why she's addressing him this way, and then they'll realize she's decided to talk directly to Michelle Obama or Hillary Clinton or Meryl Streep or Robert De Niro. It's terribly unnerving, like like eavesdropping on a schizoid outside the, sh- the subway, shouting at the people inside his head. Yeah. I, I would have to have a lot of bourbon to drink to read this book. <laughs> I just, well, who says I didn't? <laughs> I didn't want to ask directly. So, all right, now we got to move on to number three. My friend, Rick Wilson. 
who has written a book that I, I think this the title is worth the price of admission. Everything Trump touches dies, which yeah. which seems to just come up in regular conversation on a regular basis. So this this was number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Really, at, at the yeah. time, I think it was, when I got it, uh, I was number three or something. Number four. no, no, he 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 made he made number one. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm just saying, what I was doing was taking the bestsellers from one given week and reviewing. That's why Charlie Sykes wasn't on there. Oh God. Ooh. Boy, that just, that just made it. Was well, that, hard. That, yeah, that, JV ow, just ow, he ow. he winced. He just he was I'm just wincing, like I'm wincing at my. And I'm sitting now. right I'm here, sorry. Andy. I'm like right here, and he's well. not even looking at me. But you can't tell that on the podcast. Okay, so so Rick Wilson, this this book, um, Rick has made a uh, a reputation for being, shall we say, really colorful. That every time that you think that maybe somebody has really come up with a rhetorical flourish to describe Trump. Probably Rick has got you beat, but but how how does that last? How does that how does it that wear, wear book well on okay. the page? Yeah. First, let me apologize. I did not mean to suggest that. <laughs> just that kidding. Someone <laughs> who's fallen short of the New York Times bestseller list several times. It doesn't um, mean that we're lesser people. Yeah, it does. It doesn't actually. mean we it don't really have does. feelings. Um, well, the best thing about uh, Rick Wilson's book is the title, which I think is very catchy and and ninety uh, percent true. Um, but he's got a kind of um, – well, it's a mix. His style is kind of – there's a certain sort of macho thing going on, and you know, tr- trying to show people that he's a real tough guy. Um, and then there's also this kind of rat-a-tat-tat um, patter that a lot of political uh, consultants have. They're usually really good talkers, um, political consultants are, and they're, they're very funny and usually have great stories. But you can't really sustain that on the page with – um, you know, 350 pages to fill up, it gets pretty tough. Yeah, see, I was going to ask you about that because I was surprised that you didn't like the Wilson book, not because I've read it myself, but because the consultants that we both know, guys like Murphy and Wilson and Joe Trippi uh, and Mudcat Saunders, they are the most interesting people I've met in politics. Hmm. Uh, and the the only people... No, do you disagree? Do you not like not like the consultants? No, no, they're they're they're, they're great I company. Love, they're great. Company. They're great company. They're the only class of people whom I would like really actually choose to spend time with. Yeah, Certainly yeah. more so than actual elected officials yeah. or bureaucrats or media people. And so I just sort of assumed that, you know, oh, then a, a book by a consultant because they are, as you say, they're great talkers because their job is to yeah. bamboozle and mystify gullible. People right, who are running right. for office right. and to always seem like they have the answers to everything. Yeah. Uh, so, but, yeah, but is it just the page? Like it's not a sustainable yeah. uh, tone. Have, that, that, that's his main problem, in my opinion. Have you ever seen the, the British um, comedy satire? I think it's The Thick of It. It's by the producers who made Veep, the the, the British guy, right. and and that's so. So if you ever watch Veep and then you see this, you'll see okay, this was this was basically the pilot oh, for this. No, and there's a couple of characters in there. Actually, there's there's one character who's an aide to the, the the prime minister, who goes off on these screeds of invective that are Shakespearean in their obscenity. <laughs> I mean, they are just awesome, and it's something that American TV does not have, and. Wilson, I think, is is sort of in in that class. But as you point out, Andy, it's you know a little of that can go a long way. I'm not sure how you get you know 200 or 300 pages out of it. Okay, now we're at number four, the historian, and I think of all the malign figures that are here. I mean, Amorosa is Amorosa. Um, Judge Judge Jeanine Pirro is well, you know, she's she is what Dine- a jurist, a jurist. Yeah, that's, that's right. The word you're looking. Dinesh D'Souza, who. 
has been, and actually the Weekly Standard had a piece on the decline of Dinesh D'Souza like last week, but he actually has pretensions, serious intellectual pretensions to be an historian. Now, which book did you include in this uh, in this uh, feature? Well, the, this latest one that he uh, has, um, which has been huge, I think it's also been number one for a while, uh, which is called Death of a Nation, Plantation Politics and the Making of the Democratic Party. And it purports to be a history of sort of the two-party system with particular emphasis on the Democratic Party, which he um, characterizes as a centuries-old institution bent on suppressing uh, black people. And it's, he takes the, the commonplace truth that all Confederates were Democrats, this is just true, and then somehow manages to try and convince his readers that the sort of the political bloodlines from, you know, John C. Calhoun stretch all the way, flow into the veins of Barack Obama and uh, Robert Kennedy and any other any other Democrat you can name. And it's, it's preposterous, and it leaves out tons and tons of very relevant history, but um, there's enough about it that's true that I think a lot of people will be bamboozled. He also seems to have just jumped on this whole tr- Trump is the new Lincoln thing. <laughs> I, I just, I know, can well, can you explain that to me? I, I, mean, just, I didn't know that this was even a thing. Yeah, is it a thing? I mean, Trump is very much Lincoln. a thing. Jeez, I thought he was I the been, new... Oh, I've been I, reading these books. The new, Reg, the new Churchill, but, but Lincoln. <laughs> Lincoln. Yeah. The rail splitter. Now, this would, this would be difficult, of course, to pull off if anyone actually knew anything about Lincoln. Yeah, right, right. right. If you ever read any letters or speeches by Lincoln. Right. Well, uh, let's see. What are his – his uh, case is uh, they're both tall. Uh, no, he doesn't say that. But they're both um, – they both won close elections. They both were, uh, as he says, sort of hampered by a ineffectual party apparatus, the Republican Party. Um, and they were both bent on liberation of the oppressed. So I can yeah. kind of follow him the first two there, but he loses me on the third. Okay. So five and six, you put together two books on Russia, equal and opposite in their, um, in, in their, in their approach and apparently in their awfulness. Yeah. Um, Greg Jarrett's The Russia Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton and Frame Donald Trump. Kind of, I've heard that one, right? I, now, you, now, Jonathan, you, you've, you've run into that on Twitter, right? So. I, I see that from time to time. Well, it's the classic that, you know, Judge Janine, as a great jurist, would recognize this tactic, which is that when you have a, a narrative that's going against you, a good defense lawyer will simply invent another narrative to distract the jury. And uh, that's that's what Fox and what uh, Jarrett in particular specializes in, which is they've, they've, they've concocted this whole new narrative uh, that has doesn't even touch the narrative that the mainstream or liberal press is is um, pursuing, which is that, that, you know, Trump was somehow compromised by Russians and sought to collude to win his election and so on. And their thing is about Robert Mueller is the main victim or the main villain, and uh, the FBI is his kind of uh, his his mafiosi who are accomplishing his nefarious um, goal of bringing down President Trump. 
Kind of, kind of risky to come up with that book before the Mueller report actually comes out. I, this, this is the thing. I'm, I'm not a big Russia guy myself. Yeah. I don't really follow it yeah. all that well. But it's so clear that these guys have jumped the gun. No, but you know? this way you get to double dip. You do one book now and then another book after the Mueller report comes right. out. Assu- right. I mean, assuming you, you, you know. haven't been totally preposterously wrong. Do you think that matters to his uh, market? I'm, I'm not being sure. Uh, uh, I don't think it matters to either one of them. I mean, I, right. I, you know, the the whole thing that people like from books like this, like Craig Unger has written tons of books about neoconservatives and the villainy of the Bushes and all that stuff. And the specialty is masses of detail that are it's impossible to keep straight. Right. Lots of little minor characters, elaborate storylines about what happened when and coincidences and so on. And people who are scandal junkies just really get into that. Right. Yeah, speaking of scandal junkies, I haven't read any of the Craig Unger stuff. I'm not. I'm not really familiar. But I'm. I'm. I'm in a cab, um, actually, down in Texas last week. And by the time I left from going from the hotel to the venue, I was going in. I learned all kinds of things about the cons- the the uh, fifty thousand unsealed indictments. I mean, see, a sealed sealed indictments that are about to be dropped, and all of the people in American politics who are about Q&A. to be sent. The storm. Who, who, who are about who are about to go to Gitmo and everything, and and this guy said I've done my research. By the way, that <laughs> phrase I've done my research is 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 the real tep off. And I said, huh, is this is this QAnon? And he says, no, no, I'm familiar with QAnon, but I, but you know, and I'm a little skeptical of QAnon. But this, I have done my research, and so there's a there's going to be a book out there somewhere. So, are, are you into the baseball playoffs, JV? We're so into it. You are so into it at my house. My my kid is ten years old. Uh, his nickname is Flash, and he is. There is only one thing he cares about in this world or the next, and that is baseball. Well, that's and good. He is Smart kid. Inexplicably, a Cubs fan, which I don't understand. I don't really endorse. I don't really support. But it is what it is. He sort of. I think what happened was he fell hard for Major League Baseball during the season that the Cubs won the World Series. Mm-hmm. And so that was the year that, that he raised his expectations. And so he, one of his friends that year was a Cubs fan because he'd been born in Chicago. And so Flash was like, okay, sure. Well, I'm just in. And then they have this magical run to the World Series. They win the World Series and he adopts the Cubs. And I, I sort of think to myself, okay, well, I can live with that. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. He, he could be spending his week, you know, lifting he weights is, with a guy named Squee. I mean, you never know, right? I mean, such so, I mean, a front. Squee in the skis. Yeah. He is such a front running little what? monster. That last night, as we are sitting watching the Cubs, and he is decked out in his Chris Bryant jersey and his Cubs championship cap and all of that, but yet, because he had a bad feeling about the game, because the Cubs were in that one-game elimination play-in, he had folded up on the sofa next to him a Mookie Betts Red Sox jersey. Oh, so he, <laughs> so he like had his parachute there. Should his the team? Base. And I said, "What do? You, what, what, I'm sorry. What's the what's the Betts jersey out?" And he's like, "Well, you know, I mean, in case they lose, I gotta." I said, you can't do that. That's not I, how this I, works. I think that's prudent. If you're going to be a Cubs fan, you need to have an escape pod. You need to have the escape pod. <laughs> a plan B. That's definitely. right. This kid's ahead. I don't know why we're talking about the Cubs when the, the Brewers just you know, came from behind, won that one-game playoff. And I got, I got to tell you, we don't have a lot of things to cheer about in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on a regular basis. So when something like that happens, it's like, whoa. So are they, are they are good great. enough? The I, they are great. I have not franchise. followed the Brewers very much this season. Are they good enough to get? Are they good enough to win the National League? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Christian. By the way, if Christian Yelich is not the MVP, then 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 there is no justice in the world. Then it, then it is time to be cynical about the future of humanity. So, but not Wilson. baseball. 
You can never be cynical about baseball. Uh, well, you can be. Yeah, you can be cynical yeah, about, about baseball. I mean, those of us who've lived through this, we all have Sorry. the Yankees whole A's. Hmm? Yankees A's. Give me a call. A's. Oh, it's got to be the A's. Otherwise, I'm going to stick my head in the oven. Wow. No, we, we feel you strongly really, about you these really, things. No, no, I know you feel strongly. You want to, but you think they're going to win? This is. I'm not asking for your heart's yearning. I'm I've been for hating the Yankees for yeah. years, so that is the default I'm setting. My hate. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. I mean, the, no. the A's are starting a relief pitcher. Well, that's one of the keys to the their Yankees genius. P- pitching Pedro Severino. It's I don't know, man. Okay, no. So speaking about we faith, are on the verge of another evil empire. Okay, I, I am not. I'm not going to stretch this out. I promise, but they have a plane to catch. But. Um, in terms of optimism and pessimism about the future, and I know I'm way behind the curve here, so I apologize, Jonathan. Um, I generally I, – I, I used to think of myself as an optimist, but now I'm kind of in the everything bad that's happening is going to get worse. And so oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in a, in a, in a dark, dark place. So what I do to get out of my dark place is to, is to do, you know, watch escapist movies or, or read escape, escapist books, not like the ones we've been talking about here. So on the plane here – I watched Avengers The Infinity War. Oh, yeah. That's and a feel-good movie. Just in time to get to, with well, any spoiler alerts, but to get to the end of it. And I'm going, oh, okay, now are you a big fan of this? How, how did fans- Are you setting me up? No, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm still thinking because I was so- I, Let's say I was surprised by the ending. I mean, I think that I have a dark view of the future. No, this did not help me, Andy. Do you want me to spoil it? Do you want me to spoil it for you? Well, I, spoil it no. for me. I've seen it. Andy's going to go home tonight, and he's no, going to watch it. No, Andy's not. <laughs> this is so. This was originally conceived of as a two-part movie. I certainly they hope are, so. None, they're all still alive. Oh, what's happened is that they're in an alternate timeline because Doctor Strange stole the. How do we know this? Because some of us read the damn comic books, Charlie. <laughs> okay, that's just sad. <laughs> I, I wanted to get to a dark place. There we are. Just, see, yeah, I was thinking about a dark place. Yeah. What, what what would be what would be worse than having to read these books? I suppose. It would. Okay. So, I now you have spoiled it for me. I told you. I, I just no. See, here's the thing, Andy. At the end of the movie. You know the, the the bad guy who is is threatening to you know kill half of the whole universe, kill trillions of people unless he is stopped by the superheroes, and all the superheroes do these amazing things, and they don't stop him, and he ends up killing half the universe. Wow! So including it's, like, it's a Trump like thing. Yes, yes, that's a, it. Was like okay, this is like I I live this every single day as you watch all these superheroes basically turn <laughs> to dust, and I'm going, this is what I'm watching <laughs> to get an escape. Seriously? So on that note... I think you need some Gidget movies. Beach Blanket Bingo, something like that. You know, I just, that would that would have been a better a better call. Jonathan Last. Andy Ferguson, thanks for joining me. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow, and we'll do this all over again. <laughs>